0: and welcome to Globalise Asia. Support for this podcast comes from Royal Beans Chocolates. Royal Beans is based out of Bangalore, India and specialises in Belgian chocolates infused with exciting flavours like masala chai, cappuccino, berry blast, walnut marble and many more. You can gift these special crafted chocolates to your loved ones in India by visiting their website www.royalbeans.in Use the promotional code GLA10 to get 10% discount off your order. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Globalization. We are into the second part of the three-episode series on cybersecurity. In this episode, we will talk about the importance of companies like NSS Labs, who tackles cybersecurity threat in the market with bespoke offerings to corporates of the world. So Gautam, very interesting and um, thanks for sharing your thoughts on your on, in the first episode regarding um, your journey so far and, uh, and uh, various aspects of cybersecurity. Sure. Let's get into now your bread and butter, so to speak. You know, when you go and pitch in front of an uh, enterprise why, why should enterprise care about cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, good to be good to be back over here. Um, and I think from a, like, as I shared with you, working with NSS Labs, right? So as a part of that particular journey, as NSS Labs, what is NSS Labs, right? Uh, many of the people have heard about it, and some people have not heard about it. Well, we are at the core of what we do, we are in cybersecurity testing. And we are the company also driven by that mission, right? Which I was sharing with you last time, uh, how we advance transparency and accountability in the cybersecurity industry. Right? And then, from a customer standpoint, that's great uh, that you guys do that. You're vendor neutral, which is again because there are 2,500 plus vendors in cybersecurity right now, believe it or not. Every vendor knocking on a CISO door and saying, My product is the best thing since slice of bread, it, there's a lot more awareness right now. And I don't think they're buying that anymore. Maybe a few years back, they might be. But I think that's the awareness they are on right now to say, OK, I'm so jaded by everybody's noise and everybody's saying that they have the best thing that I need a rationale. And we were talking in the first episode, I need data. It has to be more data-driven. It has to be more empirical. It has to be more fact-based, right? And if I can get that, then I can also go make a business decision to say is this the right for thing for me from a product standpoint, from a solution standpoint. So I think from a from a business standpoint, uh, what we're looking to provide them is relevant information, mm-hmm. believe it or not. How can I provide you that relevant information from a business standpoint for you to be able to go make that right decision? And again, gain that peace of mind, right? As a CISO, I don't think the job is easy right now, right? They live in that FUD we were talking about in the last episode around that fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And the biggest one in their mind is, am I gonna get breached tomorrow, right? I'm only gonna be asked good as my first breach, because after that, I might not even have my job, right? So for them, really getting that data and making everybody else a stakeholder. Like if you look at a CISO right now, uh, and why should they really care, right? That's a question in your mind to say, why should they care? They care more from a security standpoint to say how well I can secure the infrastructure, right? How well can I secure, we were talking about losses in the last episode, how well can I secure my infrastructure and make sure there's no financial loss Mm -hmm. and there's no reputation and brand loss and there's no IP loss. They're also surrounded by people in the lines of business and the lines of business don't care about security much right now. There's a lot more merging happening but there's still lines of business which care about developing new applications. It's a development, we call them the DevOps team. There's a security operations team, which is SecOps, and then there's a DevOps team. Now, DevOps worries about creating new applications. How fast and how agile can I be in creating those applications? SecOps cares about creating security around the infrastructure, right? So now you have these two wheels in motion right now. How do how does a CISO who doesn't have this team reporting to into him, the line of business, get to work with them and hold them accountable? Well, if they can get the information to say, I'm running product A, B, and C, and these products are able to provide me 95% security, for my effectiveness, they are able to block all these threats. Great. That means there's a 5% delta of unmitigated risk, which is bypassing my systems. And then I can, if I can, tell them which of my applications are actually getting impacted by that delta. Mm. I can pass that information to the line of business, and I can now make them equal stakeholder in the game. To say you better go and patch your systems before there's a breach, which is happening. Mm. Now the ownership is not just on the on the CISO, who's actually managing security operations and security products and the infrastructure controls. They are also now sharing the risk. Remember the discussion we had in the first one about risk? They're actually sharing the risk with the line of business.
2: But a very probably amateurish question on that point. If you share a report with an enterprise saying, this is what we found, Mm -hmm. is the day one report still applicable on day five? What if they're exposed Mm -hmm. a little bit more than?
1: Great question. Great question. So that's the reason, you know, as a part of the journey, that's the question we want them to come back to. Yeah, the report is great. You know, Gotham NSF Lab just did this Endpoint security testing with all these endpoint products or network security testing with all the nation firewalls and IPS. Great. But is that going to be relevant five days, ten days, six months down the line? Technology is moving so fast. How do I make sure that the same products that you say are looking good today are not looking bad tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So so you're right. So one of the things we also provide them is something called an access to our platform, which is called uh, continuous test and continuous security validation, where they can actually get to see live results on a continuous basis. They just, they just don't get a report. They actually get access to a platform, where the same products, with the same vendor-recommended settings are actually running in that harness 24 by seven. Now I can log in anytime and say, last 30 days, tell me how product A in this vector is performing. And I can actually see, and I, I can also then use that as an information. Now that's information, information is power. I can use that to go hold the vendor accountable. Mm-hmm. Hey, vendor A, you just told me your product is great since slice of bread, but I just saw an NSL labs platform with all the live results, the last 30 days, you've had a few misses. So what's going on? Mm-hmm. Or the report told me that it's 95% effective. Over the last 30 days, it only showed me it's 89% effective. So what's happening? Effectiveness is really going down. Now what happens is you're, you're playing that game where now you're making everybody part of the same ecosystem. Enterprises are the ones. We serve the enterprises. We don't serve the vendors. Mm-hmm. The job for lab is we serve the enterprises. If I can arm them with the right information, let them go hold the vendors accountable. Back to my mission. Can I drive transparency and accountability? I'm transparent to you, Mr. Enterprise, in terms of the information and what, you need to make a choice. I don't recommend anybody and then you can go hold them accountable to say, I think you need to go work with NSS Labs and I really need to see the efficacy coming back to 95 at least or even more before I actually make a decision. Mm. What happens is now the ownership is on the vendors again to go prove the value of what they bring to the table. Otherwise, we are actually holding the enterprise and their teams to actually do product evaluations. They don't have the skill set. There's a massive skill shortage the world of cybersecurity. Right? So They don't have the skill set. They don't have the teams to do it. They'll do a half-assed job. They say, okay, A, B, and C, let's go choose A because I know so-and-so and and there's such a company. It's a good friend of mine. I trust them. I'm hoping they're going to do the right thing and we keep our fingers crossed. Well, not anymore. It's all data-driven. I have the data with the report, which is day one. I have the data with the live platform, which gives me 30, 60, 90-day view. I can now hold the vendor accountable to say, you go fix it, we have a deal. Right, so that's the journey you want to be on, where in this world of cybersecurity, I think we are afraid to share data because we are afraid to share the good, bad and ugly.
0: And do, do CISO ask for any penalty clauses in your contracts to say, fine, if we do go for whatever the cost is of, of that product or service, if for whatever reason you are not up to the mark, what you say you are, do they, I mean, not just... Um, no, I'm not saying is that the practice normally. But I'm trying to get the feel of it when you are sitting in front of a See, so are there many of them who says we are putting our you know uh, funds online, our jobs online, so to speak, our reputation. If you do get you know shake hands and, and get your product into our uh, infrastructure, mm. do they ask for some kind of? Um, I don't know if there is any loss of revenue, whatever, whether we're going to have a, on a sharing basis or we're going to have a penalty clause.
1: Yeah, so if you look at from an Edison Lab standpoint, since I'm not a vendor and I'm providing that the information and giving them a platform for them to have that live view of what's really happening from a testing standpoint, right? Right. Uh, vendors don't drive my methodology. Like, so the way we do our testing is there's a test methodology we define. And everybody gets a chance to actually provide feedback to that methodology before we actually go into testing. Now, when we go into a public testing, it's free. You cannot pay to be in the test and you cannot pay to get out of the test right so now customers know that this is not a pay for play this is NSN lab holding them to the methodology to that higher standard and they are in for free and if, if we feel enterprise also provide the feedback to say do you have the product so and so i don't think mr customer i think you should have them because i'm actually looking at that and we can actually bring them in so either the vendor comes in voluntarily or we actually go purchase the product because the mission we are on is to say how can we come back and provide the, the playing fee which is level across all these products in the market right now? If it's too good to sell, then it's too good to be tested, right? right. Like if the product is good to sell, then it's probably good to be tested. That's the mantra we live with. Mm-hmm. So what happens is once I provide you that view of the world, I'm pretty sure that when they decide to go with vendor A versus vendor B, they hold them accountable.
2: So does that also mean that Based on your, you know, obviously handling of all this data and information systems for other, for other, for enterprises, if NSS Labs were to come, come up with their own product, that version is probably the only foolproof.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, it's a great <laughs> question, uh, but I think it also creates more of a, a cognitive dissonance, right? If you're vendor neutral and now you're pitching your own product, then are you a ven- Are you a vendor? But are you isn't a product that company?
2: Hidden marketing in a
1: way. Uh. Well. What we are providing is my product or my platform right now is the means to you get the, for you to get the outcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm using my product. I'm not selling you the product. I'm selling you a service. Great. If you want to have the live results, whether it's vendor recommended settings or you want to even have your own private cloud and you can have your own settings, your own policies and configuration. We call that as continuous security validation. Because a lot of enterprises come back and say, oh, I don't go with vendor recommended settings. I do my own policies and configuration and my own tuning. I even have my own gold images mm-hmm. to go around on the platform. Well, you can always do that and you can have your own private cloud. And it's almost like deploying like your own branch office. right? So that's how simple it is. Once you go with the vendor recommended play or my own personalized play, you pay for that as a subscription service. Mm-hmm. But you have that platform. you don't buy the platform, you buy the service and the service provides you outcomes. Yeah. And that's the outcome you go use to your advantage for you to have that relevant information to say, OK, I have the data. Vendors are recommending this configuration and this policy and this is showing 95% block. With my own configuration policy, it's only showing 78% block, so why is that drift? Right there, it's meaningful to them, mm-hmm. am I not running the right image, am I running some wrong policies, have I not turned all the features on, what is it which is missing right now? Right there, you get the first drift.
2: So the interface capabilities at their end should be enough so that they can understand that level of data as well, so mm-hmm. do you provide that sort of training? We do,
1: we do, so we also make sure that, you know, that's the when you go provide that service. Subscription service, uh, and you're using the platform as a basis for providing that, you actually go and train them. One of the biggest jobs for us is again, again, uh, how can we actually go train you as a part of the overall service? You have the skills, uh, you have the people who resources, can I get them skilled mm-hmm. to actually use the platform mm-hmm. to their advantage? So you don't have to go reinvent the wheel. Use the platform, you Know what it is, go get them trained, go get them skilled. Mm-hmm. Now enterprises can actually use that as a platform even for their future uh, engagement with vendors. Mm-hmm. There'll always be new vendors in town. Now you can use that platform to say, go run it on Innocence Labs, run it over there for 30 days, both with the vendor-recommended settings, and I need to run with my own policies and configurations, and then I'm going to see the drift, see what you're providing, versus what I'm doing, and then I'll make a decision on that one. Think of it as a a pre-production environment outside of a production environment. You don't have to disrupt your production environment, because that costs money. Again, back to your point in terms of, do I need to come back and put a new image? What if the new image uh, uh, crashes out, right? That's the reason all this patch management is once a month. People don't do it every day, every week, because they're always worried about what the what if scenarios, right? Well, now I can actually go play in mm-hmm. this thing. In the US, they have something called Cyber Range, mm-hmm. which is what the federal government uses to test out new products. Uh, not the security products, but new ammunition mm-hmm. and all that stuff, right? So, this think of this as a Cyber Range for enterprises. They have their own private Cyber Range. I can go test everything out, make sure everything is working great. And then I can use that information and as a package deal, go apply that to my production environment. I can make a cookie cutter for myself.
2: Wow. So that there's there's a world out there and uh, a world that that is clearly a lot more than, you know, people would, I'm sure people would want to know so much more about cybersecurity, the skills that require to get, in, get into something like this. And I think we can, we would love to catch up with you on these topics on our next episode. Sounds good. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website, globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website.